So when I was in uh, high school and even parts of college, I had, I had huge issues with um, denominational ties like the United Methodist Church. And one of the reasons is that I, I'm a young adult. Um, it's a kind of elusive uh, demographic now, nowadays in church. But one of the reasons is that young adults actually don't like labels. Uh, we don't like to be labeled into anything. So some labels, even if they're good labels, um, but some labels such as like athlete, nerd, jock, we don't, we don't really like those labels because it feels like it kind of cements us into something that um, we might be a little bit more of, right? And this unfortunately also relates to church. And so the, the idea of a denominational affiliation, uh, it tends to be off-putting which also means that young adults feel more at home in non-denominational churches just simply because there's no ties to a denomination there. But for many here, I would guess that many have grown up in the United Methodist Church or have called the United Methodist Church your home. And so I understand that this is not, maybe not part of your experience. But for me, um, I accidentally found myself at a United Methodist Church when I was a freshman in high school. And I was invited to come to the youth group. And the second Sunday I was there, so the second Sunday at a very brand new youth group, I got plugged into their leadership on accident. Okay? So what had happened is my friend and I, so I had my best friend who invited me, um, they were asking, they are like, we're, we're, we're going to create this uh, youth leadership council, and we needed ninth grade representatives. And out of my class of like 10 people, somehow I got nominated for this position, probably because no one else wanted to do it. And my other best friend, who was also semi-new to this church, got nominated too. So it was me versus him in this election, right? And so we had to write our votes onto little slips of paper and put them in, you know, like a little hat. Now, I didn't want to do it, and he didn't want to do it, so I wrote his name on my slip, and he wrote my name on his slip. (laughs) And what happens is I found out that we tied. We split the votes, and they said, well, we can't choose a winner, so you both are going to be the ninth grade representative. Well, about two weeks later, he tells me, hey, Eric, I found an extra slip of paper, and I wrote your name twice. Like, aren't you glad that you're on this council? And so that's how I got stuck in the United Methodist Church. (laughs) But my, my ties were mostly to the youth group, right? It was this youth leadership council, and not necessarily to the denomination. And so when I was going through... Um, going into seminary, which is essentially just studying um, God and how to essentially join into ministry, that I had to figure out why I wanted to be a United Methodist. I had to figure that out and kind of wrestle with that. And one of the reasons for why I chose to stay within the United Methodist Church was because of its emphasis on social justice and that it's the best place that I believe to make a difference in this world. And the reason is this world is so broken and there's so much hurt going on. Santa Fe High School still mourns the loss of the 10 victims to gun violence. There are fires burning everywhere in the state of California. There still isn't clean water in Flint, Michigan. Half a million people die every year to malaria. Every day, thousands of people, they go to school or work or their local street corner hungry. And I could go on and on, but all we have to do is turn on the news at night to see all the brokenness in this world. And it's overwhelming at times, and it becomes even more overwhelming when we think we have to try and solve all of these things. Now, of course, this hurt doesn't just, is not just in the world, it's also in the pews next to us. 
Maybe it's family issues or emotional issues or mental um, well-being or sickness or uh, issues with work, stress-related issues, or maybe it's loneliness, whatever it might be. There's personal brokenness too. Now, I'm reminded of the ultimate classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey believes that it would have been better if he had never been born. He doesn't recognize the impact that he's had on the lives of so many people, and he believes that his life is meaningless. And our scripture passage that was read today has the same context going on in it. And so previous to this passage, Paul is encouraging the church not to lose heart due to the physical violence that was so common to the church in his time. Many people are losing hope in the life that they're living now and wanting simply to enter into eternal life. They don't see the point of living and continue on, continuing on to live in this life. And they don't see any purpose in it. And so if we hear these words again from 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10 and 14 through 17. So we are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he who died for all so that those who, might, who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Now, Paul begins by acknowledging that it would be better to be with God, but that we have a purpose in this world. Now, imagine feeling a similar way, that there's little hope for in this world, that the overwhelming brokenness of this world has caused us to become hopeless. But despite the despair that we might feel, we also know that there's work to be done here. That as the church, we are ambassadors of hope, love, and grace into our communities and into our world whether it's to our neighbor next to us in the pew or to the homeless person on the street or solving grander and larger things like the social ills or social injustices that currently plague American society. We are called to be the source of hope. But we need motivation. We need energy. We need the fuel that drives our purpose. And according to Paul, this is God's love for us, exemplified in Christ Jesus' death on a cross and his resurrection for us. Verses 14 through 15 say, For the love of Christ urges us on. And in verse 15, Those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him. This is our fuel. This is our, uh, our sustenance for the journey. And we, we receive the grace freely given to us through Christ Jesus. We see the world differently. And this is my main point, that since we are in Christ, we see the world differently. Just like George Bailey after realizing that the world would have been like without him. And just like the author of this letter. If you remember, Paul used to be uh, formerly known as Saul. And his charge was to essentially arrest and to persecute the, um, the people that are 
the way, as, as he calls it. And these are newly um, followers of Christ. And as Saul is going on this way to Damascus with letters to arrest some of the people that belong to the way, he, he, is, uh, he encounters Christ, right? And if you remember, this great light shines, and it's only, it's only Saul that sees him, and, and Jesus asks, um, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Or who are you persecuting? Right, if you remember the story, and um, Saul is blinded, and when he heads to Damascus, um, a follower of Christ, Ananias, is sent by, by Christ to Paul. And he says, like, Saul, isn't this the person that persecutes us? Isn't this the person that arrests us? And Jesus tells him that I have set set aside this man to be my light to the Gentiles. And so Ananias listens and goes and baptizes Paul's. And in the book of Acts, it records something like scales falling off of Saul's eyes. At that moment, Saul, now Paul, begins to see the world differently. And so when we have Christ, we see the world differently too. We must see this world with the same radical shift. When we have this radical 180 degree shift and see the world with the lens of Christ, everything changes. In Paul's words, everything becomes new. When we see with the lens of Christ, we see the beauty of coming together like today on this Sunday morning to worship God. When we see with the lens of Christ, we see the beauty of one person's soul. When we see with the lens of Christ, we see the beauty and sacred worth of each and every person. When we see with the lens of Christ, we see the beauty of donating our time to serve on a committee. When we see with the lens of Christ, we see the beauty of serving another and putting their needs before our own. But not only do we see the beauty of this world, we also see the hurt too. We see the hurt and simply cannot ignore it because we have the love of Christ that urges us on to make a difference. We have the fuel to carry us and to be ambassadors of change. Now, I believe that every one of us has a a people group, a social ill, or a hurt in this world that they feel strongly towards, more so than maybe the common person. And for me personally, it's homelessness. And so who or what are the people or the issues or the injustices in this world that stand out to you? Maybe for me, or maybe like me, it's homelessness. Or maybe it's seniors. Maybe it's children. Uh, Maybe it's the mentally handicapped or health care or fighting for equal wages. Or maybe it's poverty or uh, rent control. Whatever it might be, the list is endless, right? But honestly, we have something that probably stands above the rest. And I think that that people group or social ill that you feel strongly towards is evidence of seeing the world through the lens of Christ. Now, as you continue to see the world through the lens of Christ, you may find yourselves in unexpected places, just as I unexpectedly found myself at the, at the door of United Methodist Church so many years ago. For we walk by faith and not by sight.